You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning once again, you guys. So good to see all of you. Hey, this week we are in week number four of a message series that we've entitled, God Has a Name. Maybe you're new with us. Let me just kind of give you a backdrop of what this series is all about. This is a series, a message series, that's centered around really two verses, and that's Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And in this context, Moses is talking to God, and Moses wants God to show him his glory. In other words, he wants to see God in his fullness, his splendor, and his majesty. And God responds to Moses and says, listen, Moses, no one can see me and live, okay? So here's what I'll do. I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock, and then I'll pass before you. You can see my backside, and I'll reveal my name to you. And so that's exactly what God does. And the cool thing about Exodus 34, 6, and 7 is this, is that it's the most quoted section of Scripture in the Bible by the Bible. Here's what that means. That means this, that when other biblical writers wanted to, you know, describe the character of God, they would quote Exodus 34, 6, and 7, or something very similar to it. So without further ado, why don't we just dive in? Let's look at those two verses. If you're new with us, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it behind me as well. Here's what it says. And he passed in front of Moses, this is God, of course, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Again, if you're new here, let me give you kind of a, a, a summary of what we've already discussed. In week number one, we talked about God as a name. And just in case you didn't know, it's not God, actually. It's the Lord, and specifically, it's Yahweh in Hebrew, and this is God's covenant name. And when you're reading the Bible, which you should, by the way, in the Old Testament, you'll see the Lord, and it'll be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And when you see that in your Bible, that's the covenant name of God. It's Yahweh. And the idea is that God reveals his name because he wants us to know who he is, and he wants to be in relationship with us. In week number two, we talked about this idea that God is the compassionate and gracious God. That word compassion in the Hebrew, it's referring to uh, a way a mother feels towards her infant child. This great compassion, this, this great feeling that she has within her. And the word gracious is more of an action word. So God not only feels, but God moves into what? It moves into action to save, to rescue, to help to provide, to be there for his children, to strengthen his people when they need it. He's compassionate. He's gracious. And this is exactly what God is calling us to be as well, to be compassionate with one another, to, to be gracious towards one another, to not just feel things about people, 
but to actually move into action and help to serve when we need to serve, to help when we need to help. Last week, or rather two weeks ago, we talked about God is slow to anger. You guys remember this? Slow to anger. And then we talked about slow to anger, right? There's two ways you can think of this phrase. The first one is this, slow to anger. God is very, very, very what? Patient. He's very patient. He waits and 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 he waits. And you get the picture here, right? He's very patient. But on the flip side, God does occasionally get angry. He gets angry after he's waited for hundreds of years, perhaps. He gets angry. And his anger is this, it's the result of his righteousness, of his holiness. God gets to a point where he says what? You know what? Enough's enough. I've waited for you. And now I'm going to mete out justice. Now I'm going to right every wrong Listen, we need a God who gets angry as well because we also believe in justice and God is a just God and anger is always what? It's always the other side of love, always, right? So God is slow to anger and he's also calling us to be that way as well with one another that we would be slow to become angry with one another even though our our culture is what? It's, It's marked by anger, by getting upset very, very quickly now. We see this online. We see this on social media. And yet, as a people of God, we're called to be slow to anger. Listen, here's the big, here's the big idea of our series. It's this. God's name shows us who he is, how he relates to us, and therefore how we should relate to one another. Okay, So God's name shows us who he is how he relates to us and how we should relate to one another. You know, this is so important because just because you have an idea about God, just because you have a thought about God doesn't mean it's right. A lot of people have thoughts about who God is. It doesn't mean that they're all right. This is so important that we learn who God is from what he says, from what he describes about himself, right? Have you ever met a supposed or so-called Christian, but they were angry all the time, judgmental, always belittling other people, right? How did they get that way? They got that way because of their view of God. They viewed God as this angry person walking around looking who he can smash with a hammer, and they let that view, even though it was wrong, shape who they were, and they became what? self-righteous and full of pride. So how we view God is so important because how we view God shapes who we are. Today in our message, we're going to look at the phrase, we're going to look at this phrase, abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding in love and faithfulness. So church, let's just take a few moments. Let's pray together. Let's just posture our hearts. Let's get prepared to learn what God has to say to us and to receive that word as well. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love that abounds. We thank you for um, the families here and their children who are dedicated. God, what a blessing. It's just so amazing to see families take their commitment as parents seriously, Lord. I'm so encouraged by that this morning, Lord.
Lord, would you come with power today and would you open up blind eyes and unlock deaf ears, even those who are watching online right now in their living rooms or kitchens, Lord, on smartphones and iPads, God, would you even move into living rooms, God, your presence and heal broken lives, heal broken bodies, we pray, God, and God, that you would draw all men and women and children to you, God. We love you, we honor you, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. Well, hey, just like we've begun, um, if you've been here for any amount of time, just the same way that we've begun the other parts of this series, we're going to start this series, or this message rather, in the same way. We're going to do a brief word study of these two words, love and faithfulness. We're going to look at them in the Hebrew language just a little bit to kind of figure out what they mean and get at the context of what we're seeing in the Scripture. So that very first word that shows up here is love. And the word love in the Hebrew is chesed. And it's kind of a guttural sound, remember? You've got to say it that way. You've got to spit just a little bit to say it right. Chesed. And it means this, steadfast love, unfailing love, Covenant loyalty. Now, there's no real word-for-word translation from the Hebrew. Like, this word doesn't have an actual word in the English that translates perfectly. So what you see is there's a, we call it a gloss. And a gloss is referring to kind of a a blanket of meanings that this one word has, okay? Steadfast love, unfailing love, covenant loyalty. Now, look in your Bibles at verses 6 and 7. I want you to look back in your Bibles again. And it says, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then what does it say after that? Showing love to thousands. I want you to notice that the word is repeated there twice. It's the same Hebrew word, hesed. Now, whenever a biblical writer uses a word more than once or it's repeated, guess what we need to do? We need to lean in. We need to pay attention. What is the writer trying to tell us here? Why is that word used over and over and over again? This is God's way of saying, listen, this is one of the most important aspects of my character. That's what God is trying to say. His unfailing love, his covenant loyalty, he is loyal to his people. As we look at this other word, it's the word faithfulness. And that word is the word emet. And that word refers to this, trustworthy. It can mean trustworthy, reliable, or faithful. Trustworthy, reliable, or faithful. Now, the literal meaning of that word is the word truth. It's the word truth. But it carries with it this meaning of what? Of reliability and trustworthiness. It's this idea that you can count on Yahweh. Amen, church? You can count on God. That's what it's trying to tell us. He is faithful. He's faithful. Now, to get this idea across, I kind of want to use some human examples, because when we think of God's faithfulness, we may not completely comprehend that, right? But when I think of faithfulness with, in natural terms, I think of some of our married couples here at Radiant Church. Uh, both of those couples that I'm referring to were a part, normally they're a part of first service. You may or may not know them. And one of those couples is Mary Jo and Lee Wilbur. I messaged Mary Jo just a few nights ago, and I said, Mary Jo, how long have you been married? And she says to me, next month we'll celebrate 66 years of marriage. Wow. That's faithfulness, you guys. 
She then tells me that her husband, Lee Wilbur, was a state trooper for 25 years. 25 years, and then another seven years with the, with the Detroit Police Department. That is a life of faithfulness, of showing up day in, day out, being faithful, choosing their spouse, choosing his spouse day in, day out, right? That is the meaning of faithfulness. There's another couple at our church. Their names are Norm and Diana. She even told me, Pastor Marco, you can call me Princess Diana. I said, okay, Princess Diana, right? And they're an, they're an older couple here, and I asked them, how long have you been married? And they said, we are going on 66 years of marriage. I was like, wow, that's insane. 66 years of saying yes every single day, when sometimes you want to say no, let's be honest. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what I was thinking a few years ago. I'm going to try to choose yes today once again, though. Come on. Can we be real about marriage? 66 years. That is faithfulness. Showing up every day, right? Being faithful to where God has called you. That's who our God is, right? That's who our God is. But can I just say this? It's going to be my soapbox for just a few moments. Bear with me. We're not so faithful. We're not so faithful. I mean, this generation, we're just not marked by faithfulness. You know, when things get hard, when things get difficult, when things get uncomfortable, we leave. That's right. What do we do? We bail. Deuces, right? Chuck the deuces. I'm out. This is hard. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. She don't like me. She gained a few pounds. She's not as sexy as she was 10 years ago. I'm out. I want a new sexier package. I want the new updated edition. And so we bounce, we leave, we exit, we say, no more, I'm done. No, thank you. We're not so faithful. I want to just give you an example here. According to the study, or a study done in 2020, from the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, the typical employee stays at a job for just over four years. Just four years, that's it. Now, I'm not trying to tell you to stay at a dead-end job for 30 years, okay? So don't take that. What I am saying is four years compared to 25 years being a state trooper, I mean, that's a big difference. You don't think Lee had some bad days? I think he had some terrible days. I'm sure there were days where he definitely wanted to quit, right? Here's another statistic I've read. The average tenure of a youth pastor or a youth director, someone in the place of a, like a Carter Goss here at Radiant Church, guess what, is 18 months. That's just over a year, y'all, just over a year. Now, thank God he's been here longer, I think, than 18 months, but pray for that, brother, okay? <laughs> we need and want him to what? To be faithful. To be faithful. To, to show up, right, every single week to do what he's called to do. Faithfulness. And like I said earlier, listen, we're just not marked by faithfulness in this generation. So what do we do? We, we leave jobs. We leave cities. We, we leave churches, Right, uh, my wife and I. There's just like there's like relationships that we no longer have because a senior pastor. Listen, nobody thinks about this one, and I'm not. I don't need your pity, but I'm just saying like we'll go through several relationships in the course of a decade of our church. Why? Because people leave and then they go. 
And then they're your best friends. And then they're, and some people say, Pastor Marco, I'm, I'm here to stay. I'm going to die in this place. I'm like, shut your mouth. No, you will not. Do not say that. Do not tell me you're going to die here at Radiant Church. You're here for the next 30 years. Do not. Please don't do that to me. Please don't. Because I've seen it way too often. A year, six months later, that person's gone. They're offended, whatever the case is. So don't tell, please. And I, and, I, and I love you, but don't tell me you're here for 30 or 40 years, okay? Don't tell me that. I may not be here for 30 or 40 years, okay? I may be with Jesus by then, okay? I hope so anyways. We leave jobs. We leave churches. We leave friendships. We leave marriages. We just cut ties and we just move on. We're a generation, listen, raised on text messaging, making flakiness easier than ever before. And I'm not talking about dandruff. How many of y'all know some flaky people? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Be careful because you might be one. <laughs> Pastor Marco, what do you mean by flaky people? Oh, let me just tell you real quick. Non-committal, always backing out at the last second, not super reliable, flaky. Flaky. Hey, body of Christ, can we do better? Can we do better? If you say you're going to serve on Sunday morning, you show up. You show up. If you say, Pastor Marcus, I'm here to serve communion, you show up. You show up. I know there's emergencies, and we get that, okay? We get that. But if you said you're going to do something, do it. Hey, Martha, I'm going to be there. I want to help out in the children's wing, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to serve. Do it. Show up. Don't text her at 8.30 in the morning and say, you know what? I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. I found out that a birthday party's coming up in the next hour, and I got to go to a birthday party. What? Who did, like, what, what? That's a generation that's not marked by faithfulness. Let's be faithful where we are found, church. You might know some flaky people. I know some flaky people. Yikes. But let me just say this. God's not like this. God is faithful. He's faithful. And I'm going to challenge you today a little bit. I'm going to get up in your grill a little bit. I'm going to challenge you to be faithful as a model, as a representation of who our God is to us. As we look at these words, said and Emmet, it speaks of God's loyalty, this, this idea that God's never going to abandon us, that God is faithful through and through. He's there to the very bitter end no matter what it costs. That's what faithfulness is, that you'd count the cost. If you sign up to do something, you do it. You got a job to do, you do it, right? This is who our God is. And in the Bible, listen, this word, love and faithfulness, they often go together. They show up as a couple. In the Psalms alone, the word chesed itself is used 126 times. That's amazing. I want to show you just one example from the Psalms where where chesed and emet show up together, love and faithfulness. Now, listen, this is just literally one occurrence. You can find it throughout your entire Old Testament. Do a search of it this week. Go on BibleGateway.com. Type in love and faithfulness and see of all the verses that will come out. And then just do a study. Read those verses. Get yourself engrossed in the word of God. Why? So you can know the character of God, who he is. But listen to this, Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2, the verses will be behind me. I will sing of the chesed of the Lord forever. 
With my mouth, I will make known your emet to all generations. Or literally, it can be amen. For I said, steadfast love or chesed will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. Just a couple places here where those two things show up together. Why does it show up everywhere in the Old Testament? Why does it show up so often in, in, in Scripture? Well, it's, it's making a point that this is who God is. He's, he's got this covenant love. He's loyal. And, 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 and you can count on him. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. Right? We sing about it. Pastor Jacob sang it this morning. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, right, I know you'll do it. We sang that together why? Just because it's a catchy song? No, because it's the character of who our God is. And when we sing about it, what does it do? It takes the message and places it in our hearts, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it. He's faithful. He's loving. John Mark Comer, in his book, God Has a Name, he describes this idea, and, and for some of you, you, you might want to write this down. He describes this idea of God's love and faithfulness as this, long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. Like you're just like, you're just one foot in front of the other. Long obedience in the same direction. He took that from Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson, if you don't know who he is, he was a prolific pastor and writer. He's since been, uh, he's, he's passed away. He's with the Lord now. But Eugene Peterson actually coined that phrase, long obedience in the same direction. That's this idea of God's love and his faithfulness. That's what it means to be faithful. Now, I know as we talk about this phrase, it's easy for some of us in the crowd today to get cynical. It's easy for some of you who are watching online to get just a little cynical. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, he's faithful, that's cute. Right, right. And so maybe when we say God is faithful, you're like, I'm not so sure about that one. It's cute. It sounds nice. It makes for a great bumper sticker. But that's not what I see in my life. And perhaps some of you today, this morning, watching online, right, you're thinking this. If God is so faithful, how did I end up in this unhappy marriage. If God is so faithful, why am I 40 and I'm still single? I mean, if God is so faithful, how come I have chronic illness? I've got this back pain. I've had it for years. Thanks, God. Didn't sign up for that one. Thanks for showing your faithfulness in there. If God is so faithful, why did I have a miscarriage? If God is so faithful, why did my husband walk out on me? If God is so faithful, why was my child born with special needs? That, 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 I didn't sign up for this one, God. I didn't ask for that one. I thought you were supposed to be faithful to me. If God is so faithful, why did I get fired from my dream job? If God is so faithful, why did she have to die? Why did he have to die at such an early age? I thought the Bible said that God is faithful. You know, so often in, when we hear that phrase, when we read it in the Bible, it can be extremely, extremely difficult to reconcile God's love and faithfulness with 
Well, life. Life itself. So let's unpack that together. Let's take the next several minutes and let's just try to understand this together. I'm not saying that I'm going to answer all of your questions of why that happened or why this is happening right now, but I hope that we can begin to unpack this just slightly together that you'd have a greater understanding of of who God is and his faithfulness even in your troubles, even in your pain, even in the tragedies of life, okay? You know, we can't really wrap our heads around this idea of hesed and emmet without talking about covenants. This word covenant, you may have heard it before because it's used all in the Bible as well. Covenant, though, the big, the difficulty with that word is that we just don't use it anymore. Um, it's, it's truly a word that's for a different place and a different time. In the ancient Near East, though, that's the context of the Old Testament, a covenant was really a hybrid between two things. It was a hybrid between a promise and a legal contract. A promise and a legal contract. And so two or more parties would enter into this covenant, this agreement, right? And there would be stipulations. There would also be blessings and cursings. Blessings for those who would keep the covenant, but curses for those who would back out of the covenant, who would not fulfill their end of the bargain, right? That's what this covenant, this idea of covenant, is all about. Now, the closest thing that we have today in the modern world when it comes to covenant is marriage. Now, I think most of us kind of understand this. Um, My wife and I, were celebrating 14 years of marriage next month, right? That's a a covenant that we made. And here's the thing. As a pastor, I officiate a lot of weddings. And what do you do at weddings? Well, there's these promises that you make to one another, right? So I'll look at the bride and groom and I'll say, do you promise to dot, 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 dot? Do you promise to dot, 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 dot? And then the, the bride, if all is well, she'll say, I do. The groom, if all is well, if he's not got cold feet, he says, I do as well, right? And they make several promises to one another, right? And the idea is when you get married, you're promising to what? To be loving and faithful. The good times, the bad times, when you put on a little bit of weight, you're still faithful. When you're not so attractive anymore, you're still faithful. When, you know, the fun is kind of, diminished, you're still faithful. When things aren't always easy, you're still faithful. It's a promise that you make, right? Now, the idea of a marriage, too, is that it's legally binding. So when you don't fulfill that, when you don't fulfill the requirements of the covenant, there's, there's ramifications. There, there are consequences for that. That's what a marriage is. That's the best thing that I can offer to you to help you kind of understand a covenant, Okay. The Bible has a lot to do with Yahweh making covenants with people. These, again, what? Agreements, these promises and these contracts. One of those instances shows up in Genesis chapter 12. We'll go there in just one second. God makes a covenant with who? With with Abram. Now, it's not the only covenant there, but he makes a covenant with him. And I I just want to point out a few things. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, we'll go ahead and read that. He says this, this is the Lord speaking, Yahweh. I will make you into a great nation. This is, he's speaking to Abram. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, 
And whoever curses you, I will curse you. He's talking about who would come from Abram, right? The children of Israel, okay? The nation of Israel. Who else would come from Abram? Jesus, of course. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a promise. Do you notice the I will language? That's a covenant motif. It's promises that God is making to Abram, to Israel. He's saying, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless your nation. I'm not just going to bless your nation. I'm going to bless through you will come the greatest blessing. He will be the greatest blessing to all nations. His name is Jesus. And through you, listen, Abram, I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. Amen. And we see that, of course, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This agreement that God is making now, here's the thing about this covenant. There's a lot more that we could say about the Abrahamic covenant, and there's probably some things that you should study yourself. But the idea is this, is that when God makes a covenant with Abram, he never promises Abram that his life will be easy. I want you to notice that. There's nowhere in the Abrahamic covenant that God says, Abraham, your life's going to be a piece of cake. Abraham, you're going to have a babe for a wife. Abraham... It's going to be awesome every single moment of your life. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. There's never any promises that life is going to be easy or trouble-free for Abram, okay? The idea of this covenant, you guys, is this. The idea is that God will be faithful in and through all of life's suffering, trouble, and heartache. He'll be faithful through and in those seasons. He doesn't promise you that it's going to be easy or that everything's going to go well for you, everything's just going to be perfect in your life, that your marriage is going to be super amazing for 30 years straight. He never promises you that. And when things go wrong and people let you down, you're hurt, you're betrayed, someone abandons you, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Let's be clear with that. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. What it does mean is this. It means that God will show himself faithful even through life's pains and difficulties. He'll show himself faithful. God's committed to being faithful through all of life's messes and hardships. And listen, and when we are faithless, which by the way, we will be because we are every day. When we are faithless, guess what? He will still be faithful. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2.13. He says this, if we are faithless, it should be when, but it says if, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I love what Paul writes. Paul says that God's got to be God. He can't disown himself. He can't be someone else. He can't disown his own character. He's going to be God. So when we're faithless, he'll still be faithful. Because that's who he is. Yeah, 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 but what about, what about the doctor's notice? I know. He'll be faithful in and through that. What about my kid? He's got special needs. He's going to show himself faithful. I don't know how. He's going to show himself faithful in and through that. What about my marriage? It's falling apart. He's going to show himself faithful. I don't know how. In and through the turmoil and the trouble, the pain, the heartache, God is faithful. Even when I don't feel it, especially when you don't feel it. 
What if I don't see it with my physical eyes? Yeah, that too. When I don't see it with my physical eyes, God remains faithful. Even when the doctor gives a scary diagnosis, especially when the physical pain is more than you can bear, especially when he died at a far too young age. But what if, church? What if this? What if our view of God was not based on our circumstances, but instead we viewed our circumstances based on who God is? What if our view of God, listen, was not based on our circumstances, but instead we viewed our circumstances based on who God is? What if when things go bad, and listen, it's inevitable that they will at some point, because Jesus said in John 16:33, in this world you will have what, church? Trouble. John 16:33. Take heart, he says, I've overcome the world. So when things go bad, we don't say, well, it looks like God is not faithful anymore. Rather, what we might say is this, I can't wait to see how God will be faithful in this season, despite the obstacles, the hardship, the pain, because that's who he is. Amen. That's who he is. How is God going to work in and through the difficulty of your life? And instead of abandoning abandoning our theology because of our circumstances. Listen, we viewed our circumstances in light of who God is. I love this quote from John Mark Comer in his book. He says this, God is more concerned with your long-term character than your short-term happiness, which, by the way, is a punch in the face to our TikTok theologians that say God just wants you happy. And he's more than willing to sacrifice the one to get to the other. God is more concerned about your character. You know, I tell this to young people quite often, and I tell them this, that God is more concerned about your character than your calling. Ooh, those are fighting words, the Gen Zers. Everybody wants a platform. Everybody wants influence. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a calling. You know what I want from you? Well, you know what the Lord wants from you? Character to be developed on the inside of you. And character doesn't happen overnight. Character doesn't happen with your Instagram account. Character doesn't, doesn't happen with how many followers you have on social media. And it happens through God taking you through something. And you showing up and serving him through thick and thin, through hell and high water, week in, week out, serving, doing what you're supposed to do, obediently following Jesus through hell, through pain, through suffering, through turmoil, through miscarriages, through divorce, through whatever it is. That's how God develops character. So many of us don't want that. Pastor Marco, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up to stack chairs. I signed up to, to, to use my gifts. When can I preach next? You can't. That's the answer. You can't. Not here. That's when. Never. Well, that seems really awfully mean. No, it doesn't. Do you want to go through what I went through the last 20 years of my life? When you do, then you can. So often we want... The glory, we want the limelight. We don't want what God has to put us through to get to the other side, though. And too many young people today, listen, they're transient, they're unfaithful. Why? Because they're chasing the wrong things. 
You want a platform, you want influence, you want the limelight, you want the spotlight, you want all this, you want all that. And God's like, listen, I don't care about all those things. I care about what I'm going to do inside of you, the man or the woman I'm making you to be. You think God cares about my title as a pastor? He doesn't give a rip. What he does care about is who I am when no one's around. Who are you when no one's around? What's your character made of? It's often said that your character will, will be revealed when trouble hits. When we go through something, character sort of comes to the top. We're shown to be who we truly are, and sometimes it's just not so pretty. I mean, we can be honest about that. It's just not so pretty. God is concerned about cultivating character. And listen, he's shaping us because we're in the middle of our sanctification like a potter shapes the clay. And I know it's painful at times, but we can trust him in the process. We can trust him. He's faithful. How do we, how do we now take this message now? We'll, just, we'll wrap up in a few more minutes here. How do we take this message now and apply the truth to our hearts? Well, I have two questions for you today that I want you to walk away with. I would like you to write these down if you could. Just write them down in your smartphone. If you have nothing else with you, that's fine. Question number one is this. In what areas of your life do you need to choose to trust that God is faithful? And I want you to notice it says that you need to choose to trust. Because you may not always feel it, okay? Let's, let's be honest about that. You may not always feel it. You may not always see it with your physical eyes. But where can you choose to trust that God is faithful? I don't know where that, where that is for you, but you, you need to ask the Lord that this week. Go to him in prayer and ask, Lord, where do I need to be faithful? Or where do, do I need to trust you to be faithful? It may be your career, your finances, your relationships, a dating relationship, a marriage. It could be a, a job, whatever it is. Listen, what areas of your life do you need to trust God that he is faithful? He's faithful. And I know some of you, listen, I know some of you here, and don't worry, you don't have to, you don't have to raise your hands. But you're in the what-if gang. You're in the what-if gang. You got initiated, now you're a member of the what-if gang. The what-if gang is this. The what-if gang says this. What if this happens? What if that happens? Pastor Margo, what if this? What if that? What if this? What if, what, what, what if that? Listen, 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 listen. It's normal for all of us to visit there. It's not so normal for you to live there. Okay? And, and the idea is this. There are a bazillion what if situations. So you possibly cannot control any of that, okay? But you also cannot not do anything. Why? Because this will greatly diminish the quality of your life. This will greatly reduce your God-given potential. Some of you have so much potential. You're right on the surface, but there's too much what-ifs for you. And so instead of jumping in, you're just like, I, I'm not going to move. It paralyzes you. And I don't say this to make fun of you. I promise you. I'm saying this to point out what God wants to heal in you. That this is not normal. It's not right, and you don't have to live with it. You don't have to settle for it. You don't have to say, this is just who I am. No, it's not. You're in Christ. There doesn't have to be, you don't have to be in the what of gain. You can choose to be out of the what of gain. So what do you need to do? I think you need to intentionally choose to trust in the Lord. Some of you, you run to the worst case scenario. I do it sometimes too. Listen, 
It's okay to visit. Don't buy a house in that neighborhood, though. It's okay for you to drive through the what-if neighborhood, but don't live there. Don't get a mortgage in that area. You can visit. You can even wave. I'm passing through. What if? What if? Hey, hey, neighbor, what if? Oh, but I'm passing through. I'm on the other side now. Woo. I had a few what-if moments today. I drove by the neighborhood. I didn't look so good. It didn't look so good there. Woo, it made me sweat. Let me just tell you. But I'm on the other side now. So you can visit. Don't live there, though. There's a verse in the Bible, a, ver- a couple of verses in the Bible that have been especially helpful for me. And if this is you, listen, I love you, but I want to equip you. Don't just say, this is who I am. Do something about it. Well, what can I do, Pastor Marco? Well, I guess you can start with memorizing these verses. Write them on a sticky note. Write them on a note card. Put them on your window, your dashboard, your toaster, whatever you got to do. And look at these verses every day, every morning, every night before you go to bed. Here's what I'm talking about. It's Romans 14, 7 through 8. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. What is, what is this idea? Well, the, the context is about those who are weak and those who are strong in their faith and, and, and paying attention to particular holidays or particular foods that we eat and, and foods that you shouldn't eat. But then Paul sort of culminates this idea in whether we live, whether we die. It's this idea that whatever happens, listen, your life belongs to God. Whatever happens, your life is in God's hands. What about your children, my children? Yes, your, your, your kids. Ultimately, I cannot do everything possible to shelter my kids. I would like to. But ultimately, at some point, I have to just kind of let go and just say, okay, God, they're in your hands. And it's really scary. But I'm going to choose to trust you over living in the what-if neighborhood, over choosing to buy a house in the what-if part of town. We're choosing to trust my life, your life, listen, belongs to God. It, it does. If anyone can take care of you, it's him. Well, what if I die? Well, you might. If you die, you belong to the Lord. If I die, I belong to the Lord. Second question I want you to ask is this. Where is God calling you to be faithful? Where is God calling you to be faithful? Maybe God is calling you to really set down roots where you are, not to just keep moving or bouncing from one ministry to the other, from one church to the other, from one dating relationship to the other. No, be faithful where you're found. Listen, I love, I love young people who have all these aspirations to do great things for God, and I don't want to put a wet blanket over that, but what I do want to say is just be faithful right now. Just be faithful in the season you're in right now, even if it's not very attractive, even if it's calling you to serve in areas that are not your gifts. Just serve. Just be faithful. Just be faithful in the house of God. Can I just tell you really quick, really quick, and I know we got to wrap up. Listen, 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 listen. This is so important. This is like my life message here. Seriously, okay? Seriously, this is my life. I live this. Be faithful where you're found. And listen, instead of saying, 
and always looking towards the next season of life. And I get that's what we do. Well, when I have that, I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When I have the house, I'll be happy. When I get the car, I'll be happy. When he's born, we'll be happy. When I have this, I'll be happy. When we get that, it's going to be great. No, no, no. Just right, listen. Just be faithful where you're at right now and let God take care of all the details in the future. Just be faithful here and now. Listen, I, I know it's easier said than done. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I am trying to bring truth and scream at some of y'all. Okay? Because I think this is so important. Where is God trying or have, where, where is the area where God would have you be faithful? For some of you, it's very apparent right now. Like, it's like, boom. It's like, like you don't need anything else. Like, he's screaming it in your ear. Okay? Let me just, one more verse for you. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many claim to have unfailing love. But a faithful person, who can find? Man, so good. There's something to be said about faithfulness. I think it's the something that's missing in this generation. Does God see you as a faithful man? Does he see you as a faithful woman, a faithful student, a faithful young adult? Let's be found faithful in the house of God, okay? Let's be found faithful. Can I just tell you that Radiant Church, the ministry of Radiant Church, the ministries of Radiant Church are not possible without the faithfulness of God's people. All right, this is the part where you clap your hands, all right? It's not possible, but without the faithfulness of God's people, we, we, we need God's people to be faithful. So let's, let's pray into this for a moment. And listen, uh, where do you need to trust God this week? Okay, we all have them. I have them too. I'm not very different than my, most of you, okay? And where can you be faithful? Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for today. Um, God, there are areas in our lives where we just need to begin to relinquish all control. And the funny thing about it is, God, is that we have no control. Zero. <laughs> we can't control anything, Lord. Uh, but sometimes we like to think that we can, Lord. Uh, but God, if that's us, if that's anyone in here today, Lord, would you help us? God, you're kind and you are patient with us, Lord. You're so gracious with us. But we need your help. Would you strengthen us? Some of us have such a tight grip on life, Lord, that it's robbing all of our joy. It's robbing all of our potential, God. It's not the way you call us to live. You want us free in you. And there's so much untapped potential, perhaps, even in this room, Lord, that you're calling your children closer to you, God, to trust you in all areas. And finally, God, where can we be faithful, Lord? Our marriages, Lord, perhaps, our relationships outside of marriage, Lord, or maybe it's our education with school right now, Lord. Uh, maybe it's with a job that we hate. Maybe we're, we're a sandwich artist at Subway and we're just like, this is terrible. But maybe for a season, God, this is what we have to do, Lord. Just for a season, you want us to be faithful, Lord. So God, show us where we can be faithful, God. God, uh, I pray that the, that the people of God would be faithful in the house of God, Lord. It would show up. They begin to serve Lord, I understand people have been hurt, Lord, but never serving again is not the answer, Lord. Getting back into it, begin to serving, opening your heart, that's the answer. Some exposure therapy, exposure therapy perhaps would be helpful, Lord. We need to dive back in. The answer is never to, to be a part of a church, but to once again find a church that we love, that we believe in, where God is calling us to be faithful, Lord. So God, I pray for all these beautiful people this morning, those watching online, Lord. May we see your faithful hand in all that we do this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands for him this morning.
awesome. I know we went a little long today.